Welcome to episode 48 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday, the 14th of February 2020. I got it right this time, Rob. So um, it was brought up by some very careful listeners last week when I was a little bit ill. I introduced that the podcast was being recorded in November 2020. So I'm pleased to say it is actually February and I am cognizant today. And today we are going to be talking about. Uh, fashion serps in the US. There's been a big change there and massive change. Rob is here with us again. Hello. To talk us through the big changes in the Google Partner program. So fashion SERPs, so search engine result pages for people searching for clothes, shoes, and that kind of stuff. I was actually wanting to cover this an episode or two ago, but didn't get the chance. So I want to cover it now. This was a change that was announced by Google on the 15th of January. So almost a month ago, and they did a post called a new way to find clothes, shoes, and more on search. And I'll just read out for you uh, some of the post, and this is on the Uh, main Google blog, just to give you an idea of what they're introducing. So Google says, when you're shopping online for something to wear, like a jacket for winter or dress shoes to match a new outfit, it can be useful to see style options across lots of different stores. But with the numbers of options online, it isn't always easy to know what's out there. Find inspiration, compare your choices and decide what and where to buy. Search has always let you find links to different products and stores, but starting today and rolling out this week in English in the US, so at the moment this is only a change that's rolled out in the US, not the UK, but I suspect this will be coming to the UK as well. You'll begin to see clothes, shoes and accessories from across the web in one place on Search on your mobile device, so you can easily browse lots of different stores and brands at once. And they've given kind of an animated um, screenshot of a mobile search result and what it will look like. So what's kind of functionally changing here is whereas before, if you were searching for something like winter jackets, you would get obviously your shopping ads and you would mainly get a list of websites and the top brands that are performing. Now you're actually getting like organic product listings that are showing prices, reviews, and you're seeing visually all of these all of these products and you can actually filter then. So in the example of winter jackets, you can filter to men and women, puffer jackets, active jackets. And so the idea is that the shopping experience is a little bit more visual um, and it's not so much tied up with the few brands that are ranking at the top. And I think that's something we've we've always seen a lot of. Uh, Google knows people use actually Google image search directly sometimes with shopping intent. And we've started to see them adding schema rich information to the Google image results about, for instance, if a product's in stock, so you know you can click on it and buy it. Because some people will do things like search for a jacket and they'll just scroll through Google images looking for something they like. And the post from Google goes on 
To start browsing, just search for clothes or accessories like running shoes, women's leather belt, or wide leg pants. Google identifies popular products from stores across the web and brings them together in a new section on search. You can filter by style, department, size, type, look, and multiple images of the product. And if you want to learn more or you're ready to buy, you can easily visit a store's website. Once you know what you want to buy, it can sometimes be hard to uncover all the different stores that carry an item so you can pick exactly what you want. With this new experience, we've done the hard work for you by bringing products from many stores together. You'll also have quick access to reviews in case you need help making a decision. Lastly, they say, to make this feature possible, Google indexes and organizes products from over a million online shops and updates this information regularly. Just as we don't charge sites to be a part of the Google search index, participating retailers appear in this new feature for free. Retailers can learn more about what types of products are eligible to appear on this shopping experience on search and they give you a link. So we'll do a link in our show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk where you, you can have a link to this post and more information. <clears throat> so I think it's it's quite um, it's quite a big change and it's probably not good news for uh, stores that were organically ranking for quite generic terms near the top because it means there's going to be a bit more competition there for them. But Google's gambling, this will be better for users. Very kindly, uh, I dropped a line to Sam Pennington, who's the head of SEO for Misguided, just to ask him what his thoughts and opinions were on this. And he was kind enough to, to give us a reply. So this is what Sam from Misguided said. He said, the new Google Shopping feature is interesting. It's a free version of Google Shopping for organic results, which runs directly through the submission of a product feed within the Merchant Center as you would normally with Google's PLA ads, so their product listing ads. Google suggests that it is designed to make shopping easier for the consumer and will contain multiple images and multiple filtering options. For smaller brands that cannot compete with the big players on PLA budgets, or struggle with ranking organic results as they are lacking resource, it opens up the market for a wider range of players. However, this also raises some major questions. Where in the SERP will this sit? Google seems determined to take over all of the first page with quote unquote features from PLAs, PAAs, so that's people also ask results, Twitter, images, feature snippets, and video. So where amongst this Will the feature sit and will it spell the end to another organic position on page one? So that's quite a trend we've seen with, uh, especially with paid search, enroaching in different areas on search results where the classic organic listings are becoming less prevalent. Uh, Sam goes on to say, Google is also determined to reduce duplication from within the SERPs. So Sam's referencing here, we've had a couple of updates from Google where they've specifically said they're trying to reduce the same uh, results from the same domain coming up. And we've had the featured snippet update where you can no longer rank uh, on the first page of Google and have the featured snippet. So Sam goes on to say about reducing duplication uh, for in the SERP. So how will they prevent this from happening within PLA, so product listing ads. So he's asking the question there, if you have a Google Shopping feed for your products, 
is it a good experience for Google uh, for the user and how will Google handle it if they are showing your product in a paid for ad and then the same store below that in a very similar format as an organic listing. So you're essentially seeing the same thing twice. Or even the product page ranking organically alongside the feature. Will they remove or restrict it only to be available once um, once as per the new feature snippet rule? So I think it's a really interesting question. Um, Google haven't given us any information on that. So it'd be very interesting to see how that pans out and if they do start applying these new duplication rules to, to this feature. Sam says, I also think there'll be a long teething period here too, as people might not optimize the PLA feed for the organic aspect of queries, and there will be a whole new feature to learn the optimization process of. What does it use to rank the products within the feature? Are reviews and ranking factor for it? Some fa fast fashion retailers do not have uh, reviews any longer, etc. Sam's gut instinct is that Google are using this new feature to make more of the Google Images feature that they have, which I mentioned earlier. It's a way to monetize a huge part of the call they do on all e-com sites, which returns images and products data that they currently process and do not use. It will allow for this new feature to pull related images of products into a carousel at the top of Google Images and provide a visual shopping experience. As I said, I think this is really good We've seen that behavior a lot with e-com clients where customers are very visually centered. And I think, because that's the way we developed these shopping habits is visually. And Sam closes with, I think there'll be an implication on a lot of e-commerce sites off the back of this and a potential loss of sessions, but overall it'll be hard to estimate what impact this will be in terms of sessions and revenue until it's been more widely adopted. So as I said, we'll link to the, the post. I think this is quite a major change. Uh, so especially if you are, if you've got clients working in fashion or you are a fashion business in the UK, this is, I think you'll find this is probably gonna roll out um, in the UK next. So it's good to get ahead of this. And as uh, Sam suggests, really good idea to look at the merchant center, the feed and think about that optimization process. Google Partner Program changes. So it was yesterday, Rob, 13th of February. Yes. Uh, we got an email as many agencies around the world did announcing the changes to the Google Partner Program. So the, the Partner Program, um, we're Premier Google Partner. It's part of their Google Ads um, certification for agencies. And there's some, there's some pretty big changes basically coming isn't there yes yeah. <laughs> uh you may have seen if you follow us on twitter we've already had some conversations with this about people the re reaction that i've seen from agencies understandably i think has been a little bit negative and we just wanted to talk through with you rob can take you through um well what is the partner program and and what's going to be changing with it sure so um well in short uh the biggest benefit of being a Google partner is that you get to display a nice, shiny, coveted badge on your pitch materials and your website to say that you are a Google partner. 
Um, and there are a couple of different levels to partner status. The most coveted is premier partner status. And to earn that, you have to demonstrate good client retention. Um, so you have to have long-term clients in your in your Google Ads accounts. And you have to take regular Google exams as well and have Google certified individuals. But I guess the most important factor is you have to have a certain level of spend going through your client accounts each month. So I, I always kind of joke to people about this when they're saying, you know, you've got Premier Partner and it's like, yeah, we give a lot of money to Google. But actually, while, while we joke about that, there is some logic there in that if you have clients that are spending lots of money on Google Ads and that's slowly increasing, it's it's likely that they're doing well and they're, they're seeing a return and, and not losing loads of money, yeah. obviously, because they haven't stopped. Absolutely. It's the retention as well. It's just a good yeah. word to sum up um, how they factor in whether you should be a premier partner or not. So you can only really retain a, a high level of spend for so long um, if you're if you're doing a good job on the account, which, yeah, it, it makes perf- perfect sense. Um, so agencies that have a premier status... It's really useful for advertisers who are looking to um, recruit an agency to help them with their pay-per-click management because it demonstrates that the agency has a reasonable amount of experience in not only retaining clients but confidently managing vast levels of spend. And similarly, it's it's a really good badge for agencies to have. Um, it's useful for pitching, as I say. You know, if if you're going against several agencies and you're the only agency that has Premier Google Partner status, then it's going to make you look better and make you stand out. Um, there are a few other benefits as well for agencies. Um, silly things really like uh, having a nice plaque in the post being delivered to say, well done, you're a premier partner. Um, you also did, get, we, did we ever get a plaque? We got a nice book. A nice book. Um, so if anyone from Google's listening, we would like our, our plaque as well. Yeah, maybe they stopped giving out plaques, actually. I'm not sure. I'll look into that. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Um but you know you get higher level account management as well um, to a certain extent. But ultimately, you get you get the beta access as well because I know we yeah. were doing things like when the expanded text ads came out, we had that ahead yeah. of time. So there's a few things you can be mm. the the guinea the guinea pig in a way because some yeah. like the expanded text ads was a almost like a no brainer, right? That helped. Mm. We've just been approved some really exciting ones actually, but we're not allowed to talk about it because well, the NDA secret we, we beta. Yeah. So, but they're exciting. <laughs> they're beta. super exciting. <laughs> um, but, uh, and actually, just to clarify, just because you're a Google partner, it doesn't mean that you're affiliated with Google in any way. Yeah. Like you, you may, you basically have a badge of honor to say that Google approves of you, but agencies that say they work directly with Google, you know, they, they're affiliated with, they're, they're not just, it's, they have a nice shiny badge of approval from Google, basically, which is still I mean, good. there are some agencies that do work with Google, but that's not what the partner That's not what shows. the partner yeah. badge symbolizes. And I think it's worth pointing out as well that the Google partner badge does not have anything to do with SEO. Um, I've seen some uh, interesting placement of the partner badge before mm. in relation to SEO services. So the partner badge is, you know, the criteria are pretty clear, what you get it for, and it only applies to, to Google Ads. So what are the changes? What's changed? So we are a premier Google partner. Everything's happy. Lots of other agencies very happy. They're Google partners. And Google's said we're changing some stuff. I think it's from June That's this right. year. So yes. what's changing? Well, the, the changes have caused a bit of a stir amongst many self-respecting agencies. And because the biggest change uh, relates to how Google assesses account performance and account health 
So um, before it was based on the revenue growth and retention of your company's clients and your company's growth overall in terms of revenue and the number of advertisers. So if your client base is growing, if you're retaining your clients, Google says, yes, this is a healthy um, indicator of how well you are keeping your clients and how well you're growing them and how well things are going. So there's symptoms and signs of things are going well for the client in a tangible, they're making money way. Tangible outcomes is how it's based on. So that's that sounds good. That makes sense. That's how it's always been. I can always see where you're going to lead with yes. this. However, <laughs> the new change um, is now based on optimization score of an account. And I'm just going to read what Google has said. Um, based on account optimization score found in the recommendations tab, apply Google's recommendations to improve your account performance. Dismissing recommendations will not count towards the account optimization requirements. Now, that latter one that I just read about how dismissing recommendations will not count towards the account optimization requirement, uh, that's I've only just seen that notification come up today. There was a bit of a, a bit of discussion yesterday over whether or not you could dismiss those recommendations to influence your optimization score because that's what you can do within the recommendations tab, you can dismiss them. And, and it up. puts the score up. Yeah. So it's, it's worth saying, if you haven't listened to it, uh, I've just checked our site. It was episode 38, which we recorded and published, where we published on the 2nd of December last year. Uh, we did a, a whole episode called The Devil, that is Google Ads Optimization Score. And Rob took us through in depth about how optimization score works. And the real headline of that is that Google, the optimization score is not related to account performance. No, it's related to whether you adopt what Google wants you to adopt. Yes. And ultimately, the biggest influencer of optimization score are things that influence spend, such yeah. as your budget. Increasing budget, budget broad bids, keywords, yeah, that kind opting of stuff. Opting into display partners, those sorts of things. Okay. So... In a nutshell, if you don't apply Google's recommendations, then you run the risk of losing Google's premier partner status. So in my mind, you have a couple of options here as an agency, um, and those options are as follows. One, do what Google tells you to do, apply the recommendations for the sake of maintaining your premier Google partner badge, or two, do what's best for the client and use your experience and expertise as a pay-per-click manager and data analyst to do what is best for the account. Those, I think, are the main options. <laughs> and I think there's going to be, you know, it, if Google decides to stick with this and if what they're saying is as how it comes across, you're going to get two types of agencies. You're going to get those that show the badge with honor and say we're a Google premium partner, or you're going to have agencies that have their clients best interests at heart <laughs> I don't, that's that's, that's how, a it, how it seems like well, to me yeah so i mean we've i think it's becoming not a secret now that maybe the future google has as a vision for google ads is there's less of a role for agencies because they want clients to directly put their money into google and they want things to be managed by AI and they want stuff automatically managed. And I think, I mean, myself, I think if 
you know, as a business owner spending money on Google ads, that's potentially dangerous because the function of the agency, the value that an agency generates is essentially, apart from understanding the intricacies of the ad system and your business, is that they are there to protect your interests because very plainly at the end of the day, it's it's in Google's interest for advertisers to spend more money. Um, whereas it's in the agency or freelancer or your internal ad specialist's interest to try and manage that spend as efficiently as possible. Um, so yeah, that's is a very interesting and quite binary, as you say, decision path that Google's putting us mm. down. I think my thought on it is it's gonna come down to what that, because they haven't defined how many of these optimization score changes you need to apply. So mm. for instance, we had a quick discussion earlier where we saw where they rated us for that and they say we're fine. And we certainly don't just tick everything they say. Yeah. So I think there's maybe there's room, there's at the moment breathing room there to still sit in the middle and retain that status and do a good job. But that's very opaque as to what the actual standard is and how that may change, because this is quite a bold step. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a big step to start tightening the noose on how many of those changes you must apply to reach that criteria. Mm. Certainly whenever I have my regular calls with our Google account manager, one of the first things they do is direct me to the recommendations tab and look at my overall optimization <laughs> score and say, why haven't you applied these? Sure. So they're targeted as well. They have their targets. This is their method of trying to get people to press that apply button, I guess. Um, and the only advice I, I think I have for advertisers here, um, actually more so for the clients, is to be wary of emails that Google may send saying you have a low optimization score, act now. And before acting on them yourselves or before you get angry at your agency or your pay-per-click manager, um, have a discussion with them about what it could mean and, and what, the, what the actual best things for your account are. So I say, if you haven't listened to it, do do check out episode 38 because we go into optimization score and sort of discuss that in a bit more detail. So Bing has also been um, carrying out what I kind of describe as some questionable practices lately. The other day I was optimizing a Bing account and a pop-up appeared in the top right-hand corner and it said, get your ads in front of more customers by adding new keywords. And that's fine. Google does that. Bing does that. As I say, that sounds fair enough. To yeah. Me. That sounds uh, like the kind of data they should be providing us yeah. with. But I mean, if in most cases, you look through the list of keywords they're suggesting and they're just so broad and in many cases, not even relevant to the industry. So you have to, you have to be careful. But this, this pop-up made me, made me look twice because normally when you have a pop-up notification or some kind of prompt, the button on the left is normally apply and that will that will be green or whatever to symbolize yes go ahead and the button on the right will be white or grayed out and it will be the dismiss button in this case the button on the left which was green basically said view the recommendations and the button on the right didn't say dismiss it said apply and it was grayed out so i almost pressed that grayed out button <laughs> because i thought it said dismiss in fact, there was yeah. no dismiss option. It was either view the recommendations or apply. 
and that's so interesting. that's a bit of a like dark design pattern yeah to yeah so we'll put the again we'll put the screenshot in the show notes at search.wakanda.co.uk but looking at it now yeah it's the left side click this which is view and then it it feels like the other option should be dismiss mm. because i've warned people about it they'll probably look at the image and think well yeah it's obvious just don't press it but actually when you're in the zone when you're optimizing when you see these things you're used to dismissing things all the time and where i would normally expect a dismiss button to be in that dismiss color it just to me it was just it was so dangerous so imagine pressing that button and adding 989 keywords that have nothing to do with your industry are they uh, do they when Bing's giving you recommendations? Are they choosing the kind of is it phrase match, exact match kind of thing, or are they just mostly gonna, broad? They're just by gonna, default. They're, they're just going to smash in a thousand broad match <laughs> yeah, keywords. Basically. Okay, so, so that's gonna that's just gonna basically decimate your budget. Yeah. To dismiss that, I had to click on the burger icon and click on hide. Mm. That's interesting. Yes. So be careful. <laughs> yeah. I think more of these uh, more of these podcasts just seem to be us telling people to be careful when it comes to careful, when it comes yeah. to ads when it comes to applying any kind of recommendation that these systems give you, mm. um, and I can see so all of the, you know <clears throat> all of these platforms have got their reasoning for supplying this information and trying to get users to do this, and I think there is. You know, when they provide data saying, for instance, when you set up a Google Ads account, when you go through the additional options to say you would like to manually control the cost per click, it gives you that big scary warning mm -hmm. saying that the account performance may well be lower mm -hmm. on manual cost per click. And that might may well be true actually for the majority of customers being that the majority of people may be experimenting with PPC, aren't professionals, they're not an agency. And so in some cases, they actually might be better off mm. um, letting Google manage at least some of that, maybe not following the optimization score. Um, but certainly for those people who are spending any significant or investing any significant amount in Google ads, if you're working in-house as a digital marketer, freelance or an agency, these recommendations in our experience, certainly in my experience, certainly in, in yours, um, are, are not the optimal things to do. Because again, the big disjoint is they're not ever in context of the business that they're serving. So they're purely from the side of, here's a bunch of stuff you can try, but they're not looking at, you know, we're having conversations with people about, you know, cadence of people signing up and lifetime value of customers and, and, and thinking about those things, not just traffic numbers, spend, conversions. It's interesting because all of these tactics to me seem to suggest a short-term profit boost for Google, for Bing, um, but not a long-term customer retention in, in itself. I mean, you, you hear so many stories about new advertisers saying, oh, I tried Google Ads and it didn't work. Mm. And it didn't work because they tried setting it up. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess with the, the automated machine learning stuff, it's very beneficial for Google to have higher, more and higher quality accounts start using that system because the more people they push through it, the more data they get. And, you know, it has certainly improved over the years and we do use some of it. Obviously, we're not, we don't have every single campaign we're managing, obviously, manually. Mm. We are letting Google do bits now because it's got to the stage at some pieces where it's good. So I guess they have done some calculation on, 
healthy, you know, the flack they'll take versus the the catch up of when mm-hmm. they when they're performing at least adequately yeah. um, with these systems. But it's not yet. No. <laughs> so <laughs> so be careful. Cool. Thank you for taking me through that and everyone else, Rob. Uh, I think that's everything we have for today. Uh, next week, I'm going to bring you some announcement about new speakers we have for Search Norwich and, of course, the latest search news for you. We are going to be back next Monday, which will be the 24th of February, so our last episode for February. As usual, if you do enjoy this podcast and you're listening on the web, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere I could find to put it. And apart from that, I hope you have a really great week and we'll catch you later.